Welcome back, everybody. This is The Change Log. We're a member-supported blog, podcast, and weekly email that covers what's fresh and new in open source. You can check out the blog at thechangelog.com, our past shows at 5x5.tv slash changelog, and subscribe to The Changelog Weekly, our weekly email covering everything that hits our radar in open source. Subscribe at thechangelog.com slash weekly. This show is hosted by myself, Andrew Thorpe, and Jared Santo. Say hello, Jared. Hello. How are you doing? Doing pretty good. This is a uh, this is the first time it'll be you and I together without Adam on the show. So That's we'll right. see how it goes. That's right. <laughs> this is episode number one hundred and four, and we are joined by Gordon Williams, creator of Espruino. How's it going, Gordon? Yeah, good. Thanks. Real quick before we jump into it, I just wanted to point out that we have a sponsor for today's show. It's DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean is a simple cloud hosting provider dedicated to offering the most intuitive and easy way to spin up a cloud server. Users can create a cloud server in 55 seconds, and pricing plans start at only $5 per month for 512 megs of RAM and a 20 gigabyte SSD, one CPU, and one terabyte transfer. They feature a 99.99% uptime SLA and have data centers in New York, San Francisco, and Amsterdam. Their interface has a simple, intuitive control panel, which powers can rep- which power users can replicate on a larger scale with their straightforward API. DigitalOcean uses KVM virtualization and additionally hosts a library of helpful walkthroughs and tutorials that cover server configuration and optimization. We have a $10 promo. When you enter your credit card info on the billing page, there's a promo code field there, and you can use the coupon code THECHANGELOG104 to use our $10 promo. You can check them out at DigitalOcean.com. Thanks so much to DigitalOcean for their support. So you do use them, Jared, is that right? Yeah, I've been using them, uh, I don't know, I guess since June or so. Got a few clients um, on VPSs there. Also have um, my company stuff on that as well. So I'm a big yeah, fan. Yeah, we have a, uh, one of our coworkers at uh, Pure Charity, our day job, is uh, switching over to them. So we should see how it goes and probably uh, get them to use the promo code to get them a little discount there. There you go. Yeah, I mean, the interface is, is intuitive. Um, super fast and affordable. So I'm, I'm definitely a fan and uh, not going to complain about, what is it, $10 off? Yeah, $10. So, I, so it's, it starts at $5 a month. So oh, essentially okay. it's like two months free from what I understand, which is not bad. Right on. All right, well, let's go ahead and jump into the show. We got Gordon Williams, as I said before, and we're here to talk about Espruino, JavaScript for things. So why don't you give us a little bit of a uh, introduction. What is Espruino, Gordon? Okay, so it's... It's basically a JavaScript interpreter that runs on very low footprint devices. So um, the kind of ARM microcontrollers you get that have the RAM and flash they need included inside them. Um, So, you know, the normal way that you'd go about programming them is you run GCC on host computer and then you compile it and you you send it over. Um, But if it doesn't work, especially when you've got it in a system and you don't have a JTAG for it. It's pretty much a black box. If it doesn't work, it's quite painful to try and figure out what's gone wrong. So um, Esprino gives you almost like a command line interface to it where you can step through, issue commands, um, yeah, and generally have a bit more fun making a project with it. You know, it's it maybe not as capable as C++. Well, it's definitely not as capable as C++, but for, <laughs> um, you know, for, for actually getting something done um, for Arduino-style projects, um, it's, it's great. It, it makes it a lot more enjoyable. So this, this, when did this start, the, the Espruino, I guess, software piece? When did that come about? 
Um, probably about 18 months ago. Um, I mean, a, a bit before that, I bought some of these ARM dev boards and had so much trouble getting um, toolchain working, especially under Linux. And it just struck me that it was absolutely crazy um, that you buy this board for you know, ten pound or so, and and you're you're fighting with it. And by the time you get to flash an LED on it off, you're so bored you just put it away again. Um, so, yeah. I, I'd developed a uh, JavaScript interpreter called TinyJS, which was uh, it was just a single file JavaScript interpreter, which I used in uh, a music visualizer that, that I sell as kind of half a day job. Um, and I thought I could more or less shove that into into one of these microcontrollers and see what happened. So um, that's what I spent the kind of the le- next year or so trying to get get working properly. Gotcha. So you at some point decided to start up a Kickstarter project. Uh, and, and obviously that meant that you needed some funding to get some part of this done. So where did you decide on the Kickstarter, you know, I guess, method of trying to raise funding? And, and what point in the project did you decide, I need funding to do X? Okay, well, I mean, I've had um, the software actually available on the site Um and it was actually closed. Um, and what I was finding out was that it really wasn't wasn't doing what I wanted it to do. Um, you know, generally the only people that would get to try it out were people who were already pretty experienced in embedded stuff because they'd have to get it, they'd have to figure out how to flash the board that they just bought and then put the software on and, and all the rest of it. So I really wanted like a sort of plug and play situation uh, solution to it. And it just... The other thing is, you know, almost the immediate question is, well, I've got some JavaScript, but actually I want to interface it to this specific library that I've got in C or C++. You know, basically people just want to look inside, see how it works and, and fiddle with it. Um, mm. And open source is, you know, it, it's, it's going to be a really nice way of, um, of, of working. Everyone hopefully will be able to, to see it, play with it, do what they want. But hopefully, again, the people who are maybe more interested in just getting started will just buy the hardware from Kickstarter and it'll, <laughs> it'll support, you know, the, the work on it. So the Kickstarter part of this was kind of for creating the actual hardware? Yes. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I mean, it, just a, a way that you can, you can take it, you can plug it in and it'll work straight away. You know, no software or anything to install. Right. So I guess that kind of brings up an interesting question. So this is called, in the Kickstarter project, is Esperuino JavaScript for Things. And you you said, obviously, Esperuino, it's kind of Arduino style of stuff. But you said that um, the problem was people were coming with their own boards and trying to figure out how to get it up and running. So it was really just, it was like experts that wanted to fiddle. And you decided to say, we are going to kind of do both sides of this thing. We're going to do the software side and we're going to do the hardware side. That's way, That way, when somebody gets this project, they will, it will require very little setup. Is that right? And they'll just be able to go? Yes, yeah. I mean, so, you know, it'll still be available you know, because it, it's open source and it's, it's, quite easily, it's quite easy to recompile it to, to run on, on different devices. So I'm hoping that you're going to get, you know, a group of people who'll run it on whatever they found and, and port it to all kinds of different stuff. But then you'll get the people who are, who I guess it's, it's aimed at mainly, which is people who just want to get 
stuff done very quickly or want to just um, want to get started with it. Maybe sort of web developers or something who who know JavaScript but don't really want to take the plunge to learn C and embedded software at the same time. Was this was the choice to go with JavaScript uh, that just because so many people already know it or because it's a good language? Uh, explain your decision making with JavaScript. <laughs> um, a little. I, so part of me wanted um, effectively like a, a C interpreter, um, mm-hmm. something that the language looked a lot like C, but that you could add stuff to data structures kind of in real time. You could change code without resetting, stuff like that. And I really didn't want to, you know, end up with some other language that wasn't standard that people had to learn. Mm. And, you know, when you think of that, there aren't actually... JavaScript's kind of the obvious fit for something that the same kind of pattern as C, you know, with curly braces and Mm. plus equals and, you know, for loops done pretty much the same way. You mentioned on the Kickstarter that uh, the event-based programming of JavaScript uh, is also an advantage. Can you speak to that? Yeah. So, um, I mean, that... I can't say that was actually something I considered at the start, but, like, as I started implementing it, it just made a massive amount of sense. that Because you've got uh, the events handled by the interpreter, you know... Um, you Basically, you know when you're idle completely. And you know when you're supposed to wake up. You either wake up because of some external event or you wake up because of some timer. So it can put itself into really deep sleep modes, uh, which makes it really, really good for battery-powered stuff. So I think we we need to get into, you know, what Esperino is and, and kind of the use cases. But when I look at the Kickstarter project, and we can talk a little bit more about this later, the thing that jumps out to me and I think this is true of most projects that are successful, is that you wanted a you had a twenty thousand pound goal and you're already at almost fifty eight thousand pounds of uh pledges. So well it kind of speak a little bit to that kind of a uh I don't know, does that say to you that this is something that is desperately needed or do people just think this is a cool idea or you know, what did that response tell you when you kind of launched this thing? Um I don't know. I mean, I think there's definitely a lot of people think it's a very cool thing. And I've heard, you know, repeatedly that people, you know, people who who do JavaScript for their day job just want to kind of pick it up and run with it. Um, there's also quite a lot of interest from the schools um, because there's a graphical programming language that's kind of it, Google Blockly, which, you know, um, it'll just output JavaScript code directly. Um, so, so that kind of bolts on top of it but the success um yeah i I mean i i guess it it obviously is something that people people are interested in um i mean there's also tesla that's jumped up recently as well filling Mm -hmm. a very similar kind of niche Um, Were were you surprised at this success or do you expect to knock it out of the park um yeah i am quite surprised i mean you know i I always hoped it would do really well, but mm-hmm. um, at the same time, I kind of expected it would be one of the, well, what are they, uh, 60% that just bomb. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was really, really good kind of setting up on the first day and just kind of watching it tick up and thinking, you know, yes, it's, it's going to hit the target, which is great. Yeah, it's, a, uh, it's a definitely something that I think 
JavaScript itself kind of lends itself to a, a, I don't know if the word is, I don't know what the right way to say it, maybe easier to pick up for somebody that doesn't, you know, that would like to get started with programming and kind of doesn't want to you know, spend the time learning, you know, some of the heavier languages. But to me, this speaks, you obviously somehow were able to to portray to a person on Kickstarter that maybe kind of wants to dabble in technology and not just want to be a hardcore programmer, how they could, you know, do something fun in their life with a language that might be easy to learn and kind of accomplish some pretty cool tasks. So the audience probably is not just programmers, but also just like, you know, people that are dabbling in technology that want to kind of kind of tinker around with this stuff. Would you agree with that? Yes, yeah, I think so. I think probably having um, the fact that it's actually a thing that people can kind of get their hands on really helps. I think, um, and it was a, a very conscious decision actually, going in um, versus having a Kickstarter for the software. Um, also because it's a little hypocritical to start off with closed software and then say, um, I'm going to have a Kickstarter here to, to open source it. Um, <laughs> but I, I think that, it, uh, yeah, I think it's been much more successful having hardware with it on that was mm-hmm. being part of the Kickstarter rather than just having the software. Yeah, absolutely. So the, you kind of said, you talk about it a little bit, you went from closed source to open source and you, or I guess, are you? Would you consider the project to be open source right now, or would you say that once the Kickstarter is funded, which, by the way, just to point out, it is still available to be backed until uh, next Thursday, the September twenty sixth. So that as of the, right now, there's still seven days to go uh, for the funding of this project. So it's not done yet. So anyone out there wants to kind of get in on this thing, then you can just go to Kickstarter and look for the Espruino JavaScript for Things project and back it. Little side yeah. note, little plug for you right there. The but cool thing about these hardware Kickstarters is you're effectively buying the product, right? Right. I mean, that may play into why these types of Kickstarters are so successful. Don't necessarily want to make this a show about Kickstarter, but um, it's cool that you're effectively just pre-ordering one of these things if you get to the what is it the the third level of backing. Yeah, 19 Great British Pounds is essentially you're buying the board at that point. Right. So that's. Uh, so that's good, right? The, what, where you landed with uh, Kickstarter and you still have seven days to go with it. You would say that it's closed source right now, but but you're going to open source it after this is funded? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's effectively open source unless everyone hears this show and then cancels their pledge immediately. But, <laughs> um, you know, at the moment, um, you know, I, I've, that made it for the Esprino board and, and the other few boards that are out there at the moment. And I'd quite like to tidy up my code quite a bit before I release it. Also because, you know, if people pick it up and start looking at it and then I start changing stuff in the first few weeks after it's out, it's going to be a, a disaster. Mm-hmm. So I've kind of said, when the Kickstarter ends, I will release it. Source will be going up, whatever state it's in. But before the Kickstarter ends, you know, it, just to give me a bit of extra time to get things get things sorted really gotcha so so that's a unique i don't know that just sounds like a unique path to go um why don't you speak a little bit to just to me it sounds like this is a you know you're you're able you're very flexible and you're kind of going with it as the 
which is the crux of open source, which is what we kind of push is be flexible, be kind of the, the uh, visionary of the project, but be willing to fl- to go in the direction that the community wants you to go in. And that's kind of what this se- seems like is that the project maintainer, you could have very well just been very proud and said, no, you're going to do exactly what I want you to do with it. And it's my way or the highway. But it seems like you're willing to mold this into kind of what the backers of this want. And, and is that true or? Um, yeah, I, I think so. Um, I mean, at, at the end of the day, I guess I want to try and do it in such a way that um, I can kind of afford to keep spending time maintaining it, supporting users, you know, doing all the rest of the stuff. Because um, I'm not sure it's really in anyone's best interests if I just have to go out and get like a proper job. Right. And, and then <laughs> effectively <laughs> dump it. Um, but, y- you know, it's you know, really, I want people to use it, um, you know, in, in whatever whatever things they want. And it would be amazing if it got ported to a whole bunch of different devices and just people got to enjoy using it. Yeah. Well, let's kind of step back for a minute. And can you give us any examples of where this might, what the use cases for it might be and, and you know, what kind of real world projects this would will make sense with and maybe some that you've already kind of used it for? Okay, so I mean, um, I guess a very obvious one is uh, maybe remote sensing, remote control kind of things, um, because it's very easy to say, you know, set interval, do this every every minute, and it'll go into its kind of low power state. Um, you can uh, you can be. I don't know, reading a temperature sensor and then either send it wirelessly back or something like that. Um, It's very much kind of simple control things it's quite good at. So, uh, I mean, the obvious one might be like a a greenhouse or a plant waterer where, you know, you've got a temperature, you've got a a water level. um, you, You want to kind of tweak that. But also it's quite nice to get in there and see maybe you've got some kind of weird cycle you've you've set up and, and you know you you want to see what the program's actually doing what the variables are set to um that's somewhere where it's it's probably quite a lot better than a, a simple c program running there because because otherwise you're you're spending half your time writing code to to output the state of the the program down down the serial port so it's essentially like almost like embedded systems that you can interact with and debug a lot easier Yes, yeah. Yeah, it looks like a... I don't know. The the problem that I see with a lot of... I don't know if I would say the problem with a lot of Kickstarter projects, but I think that when you... Maybe you can talk about this a little bit. So you you released it with a 20,000-pound goal. So you had in, in mind of uh, roughly how much a you know an Esperino costs you to make, and so if you got 20,000 pounds supported, you're going to have to make... You know, you can produce this many and send them out, and then obviously you've you've tripled your goal. So, what I've noticed in the past with some Kickstarter projects is when they get well past their goal, they have a hard time fulfilling the amount of orders that came in because obviously, you know, the 
the the bandwidth might not be high enough when you hit those higher limits or those higher thresholds. How are you going to kind of prevent that? Like, how do you make sure that you, you know, you still stick to your timeline or whatever, you know, your boundary or your limitations might be? How do you make sure that you don't, you know, just honestly just like piss everybody off that back this thing? Um, so, yeah, I mean, that that's that's a definite uh, problem. And, and if I was, I guess, if I was getting them, if I was like soldering the components on myself, I'd suddenly have a really big problem. Mm. Um, but, you know, I've, you know, I, I looked at a few Kickstarters bit, bit before I did this, and you know, you, you see people having the problem. Um, and I used Seed for this, which was um, uh, Seed with three E's. They are like a—they call themselves an open hardware facilitator. They do sort of, I guess, sort of small to medium large runs of hardware. Um, you know, and I, I doubt they're the cheapest, but they're. They're quite. Um, they've got quite a good reputation, and you know they can scale up quite well. If, if I'd got like a million orders or something, then they probably would have had problems. But I think for the moment, um, and for what we're going to get for this campaign, it's actually going to be going to be absolutely fine, and they will be able to stick to the deadline. Probably, I'm hoping we'll be able to get them out significantly before the deadline, like you know, uh, two months maybe. But you know. A, can't count on that yeah well you're guaranteeing the deadline so as long as you hit that i don't think anybody will be upset because you know people back it assuming that that's when they're going to get it so you can delight them with early but you know what i mean i think you know and not to to talk negatively about other products on kickstarter but that's not what this show is about but you know i've experienced when some products they go way beyond how much they wanted to raise and then it took two years to get the product and it was supposed to take three months and i think as long as you can kind of avoid that pitfall which sounds like you got your your ducks in a row to kind of really take care of that doesn't you know i don't think you're going to really make anyone too too angry so that's a good thing no i, I hope not. i mean you, you know that, that that's the thing it's, it's much better being like starting off with sensible goals than, than <laughs> right. coming up with a load of goals that are just going to piss people off right so you can tell by your accent that you are british and uh you're you're living over i think are you in cambridge is that right um, yes, just just moved actually. Um, just in the middle of moving, um, we will end up just outside Oxford. Um, so at the moment, we're unfortunately a bit between places. <laughs> That's all right. So the my, the thing I wanted to kind of ask a little bit is the last couple of shows we've had people from all over the world. We've had Amsterdam. We've had I can't even remember all of them. But um, what is the community like on that side of the pond? Or do you find most of your interaction with Americans or, you know, are you having a lot of people from the United Kingdom or what, what is the like response to this? Like, and do you notice any specific, um, you know, areas that seem to respond a certain way? Um, well, it's, it's kind of interesting because I think, um, that the response to, um, Esprino itself has been, probably much greater um in america I, I think there's kind of more of this idea that you can kind of you can go out and make stuff um and you know a lot of a lot of um the, the guys i know in england who are who are kind of into computer software have have you know are really really interested in it but no one's really if they're not interested in computer software then they're not really willing to take the leap at all um, which is, you know, it's a bit of a shame. I, I was kind of hoping that I'd get a few more people who were, um, 
you know, just making cool hardware things and wanted to just automate them a little bit. Um, but yeah, I, I think more of that side is coming from the States, actually. Um, um, so in, in terms of, you know, around the area, Cambridge is a, a really great area for tech stuff. Um, there are a whole load of people there. It, it's, I mean, it's not a huge city by any stretch of the imagination, but um, people tend to know each other. You, you always find that, you know, you know someone else by in, in the kind of tech industry. Yeah, oh, yeah it, a friend or two. It's interesting, actually. And just a little quick side note. I went over to, and uh, I'm very open that I absolutely, and I told you this, Gordon, that I absolutely loved my time in England. I'm very drawn to the culture over there. Um, but I went over there a few years ago, and we actually were in Cambridge, and I got in touch with uh, Andrew and Vero Pepperell, the the two that kind of created Alfred app for the Mac, and uh, sat down with them at lunch. And they took me out to lunch and paid for it and everything. And the community was awesome over there, right? I just had a great time over there. So I can kind of agree with that, that it, the, the technology community over there, I think is a real neat one. Yes. Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, maybe that's more of a Cambridge thing than a, than a Britain-wide thing, but um, definitely around there, it's amazing. And I was very lucky to work for... Um, Calabra for a, a few years and and yeah I mean everyone in there it's you know you you just get to realize when you're there that the um it's quite a lot of the the city is in that area um, and it's really exciting yeah so looping back to the use cases a little bit I'm thinking I'm looking at uh, you say it's for beginners and experts I get the beginners thing absolutely I, I mean <clears throat> I think kids will love this kind of thing uh, getting them excited about programming because they have that instant feedback, and I think that's very cool. I think on the expert side uh, of a couple of use cases, and I just kind of want to throw this past you and see if this is something that you could do possibly with Esperino. Um, you mentioned that it has wireless capability, at least uh, can hook up to some sort of wireless kit. Yeah, um, so it's got the the board itself has got space to plug in little um, well to, to solder in a, a Bluetooth module. Um, and the Bluetooth is it's a standard HCO5 uh, serial port. So, but when you put that on, mm-hmm. you can connect wirelessly to it, and then you can you can program it. You can talk to it exactly as you would have done through USB. Um, cool. So, so you, can you can you also either turn it into a, some kind of a sensor or attach some sort of sensor? I'm, th- I'm thinking of like beacons that are you know transmitting data from uh, you know their surroundings to other devices. Is that kind of stuff possible, or am I... Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's... Um, in terms of if, if you have something that... Uh, in fact, you you can... Yeah. It, uh, if you connect to it via Bluetooth with your phone, you you can have it, you know, just, just send you whatever information it's gathered. And of course, because it's JavaScript, you mm-hmm. just... You stick everything into an object, and then you just serialize it into JSON and, and just print it out. So the Wi-Fi capabilities, uh, is that one of your stretch goals, was the Wi-Fi compatibility? Yeah, yeah, and that's that's now been hit. Um, so I'm going to have to start work on that a bit more heavily. I mean, we've got, <laughs> um, uh, at the moment, it's got a uh, Node.js-style HTTP server and client, um, but they only work when it's compiled onto Linux. So you can... Um, it, it runs on Carambola quite nicely, or Raspberry Pi, stuff like that. Right. So I can get a good idea of what it's like, but it's going to be much, much better when it's on 
you know, on this small low power chip. Right. And then you can kind of, you can have it running just off battery power, you know, running for months on end. But then just maybe, you know, midnight, it just connects to the internet, sends off the data it's gathered during the day and then shuts down again. If you're after like massive long battery power. So that was, so to kind of stick there for a minute, uh, being a Kickstarter project and getting past your your goal well before the deadline, you had the stretch goals. Um, what I see three of them. So I see the, the Wi-Fi, I see the uh, NPM, the Node.js module loading, and then the open WRT package are your three um, stretch goals. It seems like you're about to hit the second one with the NPM, you know, node module loading. Mm. The third goal, the open WRT package to me seems like probably the, the biggest goal, the one that is potential to, to really impact the, uh, the uses of Esperino, uh, I don't know, greatly with, with being able to use it on other devices and stuff. So, I mean, is that true? Do you think that that 70,000 pound, excuse me if I said dollar a few times, I don't really remember. I'm trying to stick to pound, but if, if that 70,000 pound goal gets reached, would you say that's probably like a huge milestone in the project? Um, I, I'm not too sure about that because I, I think probably, um, you know, as soon as the source is released, it, it'll take someone just like an hour or two to to actually create um, the package for, for OpenWRT. I mean, I'm hoping as part of that to do a few things like uh, supporting the SPR in it, which will at least, that, that I think will start to get a lot more interesting because then you will start to be able to take JavaScript code um, and and run it on the device when when before it was it was actually a bit of a pain to to get stuff in you know um, to to say port Arduino code over to C right um, to run on Linux because it's a completely different API. Mm-hmm. How'd you come up with these goals? Um, honestly, it's mostly looking through it. You know, I had a big to do list of stuff, um, and there was a definite area on that to-do list which was kind of like this would be really cool to have but I can't justify doing it right now um, because you know it's not really going forward in the direction I want to do so it's quite nice to kind of have an excuse to do that cool stuff Um, and honestly I I really can't wait to get you know like the um, WR703 the um, those little TP-Link travel routers to to see it on there and you know have people just just buying one of them for for twenty quid, plugging it in and um, being able to use like a nicely packaged Ethernet and Wi-Fi connected and and USB connected um, device. Yeah, seems like it's a I don't know very exciting thing. The the goal is seventy thousand pounds. I mean, you got seven days to go, so we got to put a charge out to the listeners to get it there. Right? <laughs> I mean, that's the uh, we want to get it to that seventy thousand, so we can so you can actually, in your own words, start doing the fun parts of the project. <laughs> yeah, no, it'd be great. <laughs> cool, cool. Well, this, I mean, this, I don't know. I'm not very. Uh, I've not been very active in the Arduino, the you know the Raspberry Pis of the world, and, and this kind of embedded stuff. Um, so for somebody like me that has not really dabbled in this stuff very much, how do I get started? Let's say I'm I'm going to wait and 
uh, let's say I'm a backer, January, I'm going to get my device. But before then, I want to do something to prepare myself so that I don't, I'm not just an idiot when it shows up. How do I get started and what do I need to learn? Um, I mean, I'm hoping that there won't, there won't be a, a great deal to learn. Um, you know, I mean, because you, you already have some idea about, about how to use JavaScript and... Um, on the electronics side, I'm very much focusing on um, that there's a lot of really cool hardware now that is is very much purely digital. You disconnect it in via, you know, sometimes two wires, but but maybe maybe six, and it, you know, it's just just plugging A to B, and um, and then it just springs into life. You don't have to have a huge amount of electronics knowledge or or anything like that. I mean. Um, with Fbeno itself, maybe you know, get, get a soldering iron, have a have a quick play around. Um, there, there are plenty of things that show you know how to solder simple things together. But but for Fbeno, it's pretty much you know soldering pins onto it and then then whacking whatever you want onto the pins. So where can I go to to kind of learn about how to do that? I'm trying to I'm trying to dig out of you just some uh some, something for our listeners that maybe have never done any of this stuff. Um, that is something that um, there are actually a good post on the Kickstarter from someone who um, who had found and learned a lot of these. Unfortunately, I have to say that I'd, you know, I, I my dad was quite into electronics, and I just you know learned as I was growing <laughs> up. So I just I just don't know about those myself. Um, but I I can find the link and and you can post it in the on the website or whatever. Well, it looks like some of the money uh, should be going to producing more documentation, tutorials, example projects, and videos. Is that a short-term plan, a long-term plan? Um, I mean, that's, uh, th- that's both really. Short-term, you know, I want, as soon as people have got the, the boards, I, mm-hmm. I want the website to have, like, you know, a good getting started section, you know, which covers all this stuff about how you would go about soldering stuff on what are the easy things to get to plug into it to do to do fun things really quickly um going on from that you know i obviously want to want to build up the the library of drivers that are in there and and the documentation that goes with them um and i'm kind of hoping a load of people will if they do like fun little projects with it they'll kind of contribute back you know how they've done it the code they used or all, all that stuff so um so that people have like a good library of, of stuff to, to build from. You know, if, if you've just got it and you don't actually have that many ideas about about what you can do, you can just flip down the list and be like, oh, I can do this in you know an hour or two. So there are currently some tutorials on the website. I don't know if we mentioned it. The website is uh, com. It's E-S-P-R-U-I-N-O dot com. And there's already some like tutorials and examples and a forum on the website. And that's kind of a little bit of what I was getting at, that the, the website will probably be a place for you to kind of go and read about and get started and uh, learn just, you know, maybe a little bit more of the basics on how a lot of this stuff um, works. But I guess will the... So you kind of talked about you would like to have it by the time the, the devices get in people's hands. So would you say the website will look different uh, come January than it does now? Or maybe not look different, but just have, have more content on it? Um, yeah, definitely. Uh, so, I mean, for, for starters, I'm um, I'm moving everything over to all, all the documentation 
is going on GitHub. So I'm hoping at least if people have changes to do, you know, they just give me a pull request. Um, and then that'll be prettified and pulled on the website, as well as um, all the code snippets are going to have a link on them, which will hopefully go to the web app, which is a, um, it's a Google Chrome packaged app. Um, and Google Chrome has access to the serial port. So you literally, no software to install, even if you don't have a, a terminal application, you just you just get Chrome, get the web app, and then you, you know, it just connects and you can, you can use it straight away. Right. And with this, with the link, hopefully you get a code sample, you just click the button and it'll go straight into it and then you can, you can put it on the board. So I wanted to kind of, meant to hit on that a little bit earlier. Uh, you just teased it a little bit, but even if you have no idea about programming, uh, the Esperino has a web-based, you know, graphical code editor, I think is what you actually call it. So th- you just talked about that a little bit. So this is a, is it a, is the the code editor itself the Google Chrome uh, extension? Yeah, so uh, it's kind of three things wrapped into one. You've got... Um, a normal serial port terminal, you know, like um, say on Windows, it would be Putty or, or Minicom on Linux. Um, but then that's kind of the left-hand side of the pane. On the right-hand side, you've got a syntax highlighted editor, um, or you've got this graphical editor as well, which is is Google Blockly. Um, so it looks just like Scratch, but um, Blockly itself will. Uh, it kind of serializes it into into JavaScript or various other languages. So it's quite nice to just be able to take that and and put it straight on the device. And the kind of um, the structures in it are a really good fit for event-based code. You know, you can have when button one is pressed, run this instruction, then this instruction, then this instruction. Um, whereas obviously, if you had like an Arduino loop, it's not quite as as easy to um, for people to understand exactly what they're supposed to do with it. Gotcha. You talked a little bit about, uh, well, you didn't talk about it, you just mentioned Tessel earlier in the show. So it sounds like that, that would be maybe who you would consider your competition. Is that right? Yeah, well, I mean, they're... Um, so they've, they are a JavaScript microcontroller, but they're going at it from um, a slightly different angle. Um, they basically, you know, that they're going after very internet connected, so it's got Wi-Fi on it. But because of that, um, they've given themselves a bunch more RAM and flash, like I think 32 meg of each. Um, so they're going to have a lot of trouble hitting the very kind of low power consumption target. Gotcha. Um, so yeah, that they're heading kind of from um, a higher level downwards, really definitely going for Node.js, and I'm very much going for sort of Arduino hardware hacking kind of things up. So, um, you know, you mentioned earlier about, um, you know, what you'd use it for if you were you were an expert. Mm-hmm. And really the answer is, you know, just having fun hacking a project together. It's not, you know, it's not going to be a, um, you know, one million line monster you're going to make with it. But there's a whole bunch of stuff that you might want to do around your house or you might, I don't know, um, want to automate your remote control car or, or whatever. You can, you, know, you can just actually 
you do your day job, you get home, and you can actually enjoy doing this. It's not just, you know, sitting in front of a computer hacking out code line after line. It's, you know, you're actually interacting with it and you're, you're having fun playing with it. Right. So when you say expert, you're not necessarily meaning that I'm not going to build a commercial product on top of Esperino. But you mean expert as in, I know what I'm doing and I can do lots of cool stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Gotcha. And when somebody asks you, it's kind of interesting. It's like when somebody asks you what, you know, what you would use an Esperino for, it's kind of like saying, you know, I mean, it's a microcontroller, right? It can kind of do everything. So it's kind of like saying, what can you do with programming? And the answer is kind of just everything, right? It's hard to just nail it down. But it sounds like the, the Esperino's target is, like you said this a few times, low power consumption. So it's like the smaller, you know, maybe more personal style stuff that you want to accomplish in your house more so than, you know, anything on a large scale, which I guess you you just said and I just repeated. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I think, I mean, you know, it, um, you could use it in industrial things if you want. I know of a few people who've contacted me who were, um, they were using BASIC before um, in their industrial systems and they wanted to kind of, modernized a bit and you know if if you're actually using basic for your stuff then then esprino is probably a really good good thing to use but i would imagine the majority of people have just got stuff in place to use you know to to just use use c basically for, for anything commercial right let me ask you i saw a long time ago and i'm sure i could bring it up but it was a few years ago i saw somebody used a arduino to um I don't remember exactly how it worked, but basically they were controlling their lock on their front door with an Arduino and like a passcode was color-based. Can you use Esperino to kind of do something like that? Color-based? It was like you had to get the color, hit the colors in the right order. You know, it was like a key, essentially just like a passcode, but instead of numbers, they use colors. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, You know, and that kind of thing is, you know, it's going to be very simple. It's going to be, you know, I don't know, 20 lines of code at most to, to... to get that working um so yeah for those kind of things it's it's really perfect right. if, if you if you're interacting with a human um you know you're never really going to have any any speed issues at all it's it's thousands of times faster than, than than you'd need for anything like that right um that's cool yeah it's a definitely a neat project and uh we have i think that javascript is a great language for something like this we have a lot of uh I don't know, we hear both sides of it on different projects. You know, JavaScript's, nobody wants to use JavaScript, everybody wants to use JavaScript. It doesn't really seem to uh, fall in the middle too much, but definitely is a language, I think, personally, that it's great for beginners, great for people that want to just kind of put stuff together. And to me, this is probably the first microcontroller that I'm really excited to just actually mess around with because I'm not going to, I feel like I don't have a huge, uh, huge barrier of entry of things I have to learn to start hacking on it. So, I'm excited about it. I think we could talk about it forever, but maybe we'll have you on the show to, in a few, I guess in you know, longer than four months to talk about the feedback you've gotten <laughs> and the coolest thing people are doing with it. Cool. Thanks. Yeah. So for all of our listeners on the show um, and for the new listeners, we kind of do the same set of questions at the end of every uh, show to kind of give you some insight into the person we're talking with. So uh, the first one, and I don't know how appropriate this question is for the current state of the project, but maybe you'll know something. But the first one we'd like to ask is for a call to arms. So something you would like to see the community get involved with or help out with. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, definitely, you know, in 
well, if you can't wait now, um, you can you can check it out on the website. The source isn't released, but there are binaries for a few popular platforms. Um, you know, if if you you like it, please back us on the Kickstarter because kind of the more um, the more support we get, the, the more I can do, hopefully. Um, but when the source is released, I mean, it would be great to have like uh, people looking out for interfacing it to more devices, optimization. You know, there, there are there are quite a few areas where where it can be made a bit more efficient, a bit faster. Um, so yeah, it'd be great to just have have people looking at it, playing around with it, and just giving feedback, really. Right. So right now, get over to Kickstarter and back this thing. Would be and nice. Yeah. When it comes out, <laughs> get over to the uh, repository and yeah. help with this thing. <laughs> so Gordon, Gordon, I'm on your Kickstarter page and I'm about to back you, but let me ask you this: My MacBook doesn't have a serial port. Do I need to get the Bluetooth one? Or oh, does it? It has a USB port, surely. Oh, USB can just do serial. Yeah. Sorry. So um, I was thinking is, the I, old I school serial ports. No. So um, yeah, the. The board, um, you can you can connect via serial, but it's got USB ports on it, and it appears as a USB CDC device, which is kind of a pretty much a, a complete standard, which means that you don't need drivers or anything. You just plug it into your Mac, and it will be recognised, and then you can use screen to connect to it. Cool. So no software to install, no nothing. You just type like eight characters or something, and you you're in. Awesome. Thanks. Awesome. So if you weren't doing uh, what you're doing now, so imagine yourself not touching Esperino at all, what would you like to be doing? Ah, uh, now that, that's a question. Um, I mean, you know, my my goal has always been I'd I'd just love to get a job doing doing what I love doing, um, and you know, a lot of that's just just tinkering around with with hardware or bits of software um so yeah i I don't know i mean i'm hoping esperino will will allow me to to at least you know to keep doing that without having to get a real job um but but outside esperino i'd i'd have to think around for a bit and try and find another way of doing that i think man i just uh if i were you i would just be wandering around the countryside in in england man I think the I've been told I gotta visit what is it the uh, um, self, the Lake District is that what it's called? Um, mm. Yeah, so um, um, my wife and I actually met doing ju- just basically wandering around England. Um, yeah, and it's <laughs> it's a it's a lovely place to kind of to walk um, as long as you've got a raincoat. Uh, <laughs> it's good. <laughs> yeah. And uh, lastly, your programmer hero or just anyone in your life to give a shout-out to that's impacted you greatly with what you're doing? Um, so I've kind of got, like, a little bit to, I guess. Um, I mean, you know, when I was growing up around that time, you know, I was playing things like Wolfenstein and Doom and oh yeah, ju- just seeing someone get so much out of a computer when... You know, I was I was programming at the time. I was kind of interested in graphics, um, and you know, there's there's a real disconnect between kind of the speed I could manage and the speed John Carmack and that its software could manage. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was like, but it, you know, it's just really cool to have something where where you can look up to it and you can you can say, wow, this is cool. I wish I could do that. Um, 
I mean, the, the other thing is, um, my dad, I mean, he's been electrical engineer for oof, 40, 40, 50 years or so doing software and hardware. And so there were like computers laying around the house while I was growing up. And it's just been, you know, that's been what caused me to, to get to where I am. Just mm -hmm. kind of having them from sort of, well, having like a, a soldering iron for my seventh birthday or something. Not many people would, <laughs> not many people would be crazy enough to do that. But right. but not many people would do that. So um, yeah, that's it. That's awesome. Well, thanks so much again for com coming on the show. I mean, the the I think the project is a as a ambitious one, and it's one that's going to be exciting to see unfold. Um, you know, once again, you have one week left as of right now. So I guess September 26th is when the uh, the project comes to a close on Kickstarter. So if you're listening to the show, head on over there. I mean, it, there's definitely still time to back, and there's it's not expensive to be able to get your hands on your own Esperino and start to build your own color-coded door lock or whatever you want to use it for. But no, seriously, thanks so much for coming on with us and just talking. I mean, it's a privilege to hear uh, hear, hear some perspective from you. Well, brilliant. Thank you. I want to give a shout-out to DigitalOcean again for sponsoring the show. Head on over to DigitalOcean.com to set up your cloud server today and make sure you use the promo code THECHANGELOG104 to get $10 off. And as a member, you get special benefits. You can head on over to thechangelog.com slash benefits to access our exclusive members-only $20 promo code for DigitalOcean. You can sign in or become a member today to get access to this and many other partner benefits. That's it for this week. Thanks again to Gordon for joining us as well as Jared for making a special appearance. And also, thanks to the listeners for tuning in for your support. If you haven't yet, subscribe to the Changelog Weekly, where we share everything that hits our open source radar. Subscribe at thechangelog.com slash weekly. Until then, let's say goodbye. See ya. Bye. <laughs>